is the Stagger Podcast. Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. What is up? I am JD Smith. Hey, everybody. I am Derek Smith. I'm ready to go tonight. Homestead week, baby. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about here. Plenty to get into with Homestead. We have also got uh, some fun news and notes for you. Uh, Chip Ganassi got busted and is not going to be at the race this weekend. We'll talk about why and how that uh, that seemed to have something to do with Denny Hamlin. So we'll get into that. IndyCar was back on the track at Barber Motorsports Park. So we will talk about how that test went and some guys who went off at that test. Uh, also, the Bristol Dirt Race format has been announced and we will uh, discuss, I don't know, what may be an absolute shit show or it may be one of the best things NASCAR's ever done. It may be both, but we will talk about that and uh, some of the World of Outlaw stuff that's going to be happening around the NASCAR races. So all that and mm. more coming up. And uh, there's a 20th anniversary of something that we will talk about later on the show. I think it might be the most, one of the most important races in NASCAR history, but we'll do all that on the show today. Hope you're ready for Homestead. This is going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing what the, like what the regular old package can do for these cars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to as well as someone who has been uh, patiently waiting the 2311 debut of what they can do on the road yeah not the road but the actual oval courses that make up much of the schedule that are non-speedway i am very very excited for this weekend uh, but also too just to get i i hate saying this my daughter's middle name is daytona but i'm kind of happy to get out of daytona it's been i feel like <laughs> yeah, we, sure. i feel like we've been there like at stagger podcast as far as like focusing on it since like the end of january it's now the end we of february been. yeah so we're i love daytona i'm all for speed weeks but I'm ready to have the circus move on to the next Dude, track. there's nothing wrong with that. It's I, I'm with you. I am ready to see what, like, I want to find out who really has the sp- the speed built into their cars. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. my, look, like, talk about Michael McDowell and front row racing. Like, or we starting starting sixth. I mean, well, we talked. We talked it? before the season. We said, could they be the third Ford team? Right? And Ooh. so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a totally inaccurate thing to t- point out is they might be right now. So, but we're going to find out a lot more about them, aren't we? We're going to find out yep. a lot more about some of these other cars. Uh, and on the flip side of that, guys like Matt Benedetto, who have not had a great start to their season. Uh, guys like Tyler Reddick, who has not had a great start to his season. This is a track where those guys might be able to do something a little bit better, or if not this track, tracks like this one, even though, there's really not any other track on the circuit like Homestead, but let's get into that. Uh, the mm. 2021 Dixie Vodka 400, your starting grid for that. I'll give you just the top 10, I guess, and then maybe some notables. Denny Hamlin's rolling off one. Joey Logano on the outside pole. Christopher Bell, your defending uh, race winner there from the Daytona Road Course. He rolls off third, which is very interesting. Kevin mm. Harvick is fourth. Kurt Busch is fifth. Michael McDowell, sixth. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, seventh. Ryan Priest, another car that's had a very interesting start to the season. He rolls off eighth. Truex is ninth. And Cole Custer gets a top 10 there. And a shout out to our guy, Brian Murphy, who we talked about earlier, or we talked to earlier this week. He's the uh, kind of the finished fab guy on the uh, on the Cole Custer machine, along with Chase Briscoe. So wishing those guys nothing but the best this year for Stuart Haas racing. But if you missed yeah. that interview, go back and check it out. It was on, on uh, Wednesday. It's on wherever you got this podcast, go check it out there. Yeah. I couldn't be there for it. 
live, but I got to listen to it today. And I am excited to know that we know someone who knows a thing or two about a car. And obviously we know Charlie Langenstein with Starcom. Uh, but this is one of those guys that is out there. I mean, I think he's younger than us for sure, right? Yeah, I think you're um, right. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay. I think it's safe to say. Um, but <laughs> he's out there. Uh, he's got an interesting story. I mean, he wasn't a NASCAR fan, became a NASCAR fan by going to Watkins Glen of all tracks. Yeah. So I definitely would give a listen to it. But yeah, he's he's out there slinging that metal and fabricating and welding away. Well, on the 14 and, you know, and the his 41. What he kind of does is oversees everybody yeah. else who's hanging the bodies on these cars so yeah. you know that uh that little scanner they run these cars through mm. guys like him are the ones trying to beat that scanner so that's ah. what i find very interesting and we didn't get into a ton of that with him but maybe in a future episode we will so anyway yeah yeah hey, you Brian, got how do you cheat <laughs> tell us how you cheat yeah tell you us how you that. cheat can you let us know you, uh do you cheating cheat? no you cheating's don't cheat. the wrong word he, he doesn't he doesn't skirting cheat. the skirting the edges of what's he acceptable, tests testing the, the boundaries. He tests the methods that NASCAR tests the cars on. That's exactly he's right. He's a quality control. He's actually quality control. He's yeah, doing NASCAR he favors. That's exactly in, right. In, in all actuality. So um, I, I'm, I commend him for his services. We should all thank him. That's right. For what he does. Some <laughs> other big names where they're starting in this race. Chase Elliott is just outside the top 10, so he'll have a nice uh, big run to the front, you would think, from the 11th starting position. Ryan Blaney is in 14th. Kyle Larson, who typically runs well here, is 17th. Your guy Bubba Wallace is rolling off from 19th. Say, don't you forget Bubba Wallace? And what I'm not skipping him. Old Dilly yeah. Dilly Austin Dillon is rolling off 22nd. Kyle Busch, who should also be very good here, is starting 24th. Uh, going through here, Chase Briscoe, we just talked about rookie that we're all keeping an eye on. He's rolling off 30th. William Byron is 31st. Ross Chastain, 32nd. So some guys that you know, have some experience on this track and certainly have been good at this track at times, they're going to have to step it up and move up from the back. The other two guys that we just mentioned earlier, Tyler Reddick, 35th, Matt Benedetto, 37th. So, mm. yeah, those guys have their work cut out for them, Derek. So let's talk uh, what you expect out of this race. I mean, I, I'm the guys that I'm targeting that I think are, are just going to be excellent at this track – Kyle Busch is clearly, I think, the guy to keep an eye on. Three, The last three races there, his average finish is 3.67. He's got a win. He's got three top fives, one of the top driver ratings at this track. So mm. I expect him to be in the mix at the end of this whole deal. But that's an interesting storyline because look at him last year. Look at that whole season that he had last year. The speed was not in that car in the way that he was used to. This is one of those tests that we're finally going to get to see is to, was 2020 an anomaly for that team or is this really going to be a fast race car for Kyle Busch now we're going to we're going to find out what these Gibbs cars truly have and more importantly what his team has with new crew chief Ben Bayshore at the helm yeah and if you think about it uh you look at the 20 car which had Adam Stevens on the pit box in 2020 right yeah when Kyle Busch finished sixth he's now taking over the 20 which is a fresh off the win with Christopher Bell who's going to roll off third here. So he's in a great starting spot. Last year, Eric Jones finished 21st. However, he was top five in the total speed rankings for the race. So I can't remember exactly what happened that last year's finish, but he ended up, he should have been finishing around fifth, sixth, seventh. He was averaging around seventh place run and speed, but ended up dropping down to 21st. So I say all that to say that he has got the speed. He's got the equipment, the 20 car I'm talking about. And now Christopher Bell doesn't have an 
doesn't have any sort of anxiety or weight about making the chase, they may let him go. Yeah, oh, I think you will. You will see Christopher Bell be a very hit or miss be driver this week. Flying on this track, he could be, or he could, yeah. or he could stuff it in turn two on the first lap. Who knows? Right. Yeah. I, obviously, you know what you have to do at this track. You've got to run the top. You've got to be able to put your car right next to that wall. It is one of my favorite things. Some people really enjoy watching 40 car train. And I like seeing that, you know, the 40 car freight train at Daytona. That's great. It's a cool sight. But I also really enjoy the cars that are just running lap after lap after lap, a quarter of an inch off the wall around this track going 180 miles an hour. I just there's something about that that I will never stop enjoying. So I love the tire fall off at Homestead. I love the fact that you really do have to click off lap times to be good here. It's not just you can have a couple laps where you set the fastest lap. You're if you don't manage your equipment, you will not be there at the end of a run. So I, I I appreciate what this race gives you, even though I know it may not result in three cars at the end being door to door and bumper to bumper. Like it's it's all right. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who the dominant car is out there. Who can who can get the most out of their machine? I'm ready for it. So, but Kyle yeah, Busch I mean, is certainly going to be a guy. Christopher Bell, I think, is going to be a guy you got to watch. Those two are going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those tracks where you're going to hear you know slide job being thrown around here and there because you might have a chance where the, with that banking, you got a guy going low, mid, high, and who's going to come out on top? Pretty much is typically going to be the guy on top that will stay on top uh, because of the momentum. But I mean, you're going to see a guy dive into the corner and roll out ten car lengths ahead. And it's going to be a, a door by, you know, they're going to be door to door at the yeah. exit of the turn. Right. And and this is something you don't see at Daytona. You don't see at Talladega. You don't see at Bristol. And it's nice to get this this vibe from Homestead, which was one of my favorite tracks. And it's like you had to wait all year for Homestead. And then even then, the, the bad thing about the last decade or so is that there's kind of been like this this deal with four cars there. Of course. Like it's really yeah. only down to four cars. So like it doesn't really matter what the guy in 10th place is doing who came up from 30th, that's not really even a story. Yeah, I, now it's I'm like, with you. Yeah. Now it's like guys have a chance to, like, I, I don't know how to say this right, but yeah, I kind of feel like putting the putting the race, the championship race, at a more mm, track is probably a better move. Like, <laughs> Well, so you, I think I think you, putting if, it at Phoenix done, has, it, Phoenix has its, its beauty yeah. to it in its own way. Oh, yeah. You've got the dog leg thing. You've got, yeah, like, you're right. But I, I agree with you that, this type of track, it is really something about who can who can put their car in the best spot, and it's a real yeah. test of everything. And then, yeah, if you have one bad lap where you scrape the wall, it can ruin the rest of your day. So that that balancing act doesn't allow for guys to take those risks, I think, when there's a championship on the line. But now yeah. you get to see some drivers really hang it out on uh, Homestead's long straightaways. Oh, yeah. It's a true oval. It's beautiful. Um, let's talk real quick about our, our DraftKings lineups. Yeah. I'll give you mine. I'll give you mine. This one. Who wants I, to make money? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm let's see. We'll see what we can do. Um, here's my lineup I got. This gave me $300 left over. So I used up all my uh, allowed money pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cheapest option, I have got Anthony Alfredo coming in. He is starting 27th. Um, that's a guy that I, I'm just going on a hunch with him. He is $5,500, pretty cheap. Rook, you know, rookie driver, obviously, but. I'm going with him because I think that he has got the ability to put his car in a spot and, you know, 
take some chances. So he's going to be an aggressive driver. That's kind of what I'm looking for here. Uh, so I did go with him. Uh, let me see here. I've just lost. So I think Anthony Alfredo will be pretty aggressive and he'll be able to get the job done, at least get me some kind of points here. And I think he's going to be fun to watch, but that's a risk I'm taking. Here's the rest of my lineup. I'm going Christopher Bell, $7,600. As you talked about, he is one of the better starting positions here. He's a pretty highly rated driver at this track too, although he only has the one race under his belt. But yeah. I'm going with Christopher Bell starting off third with a chance to get some fastest laps and run in the top five all day and possibly get the W. Um, I've also got Kurt Busch, another guy who's running the top five to start, but he is also a very highly rated driver at this track. Uh, one of the better finishers here. So I'm going with Kurt Busch. And Boosh. now we get to my expensive drivers. Tyler Reddick. I am a Tyler Reddick fan, so that should be noted. I am biased towards him. I think he is extraordinarily talented. Um, he's $8,500. I think some people may have been scared off by how his season started, but make no mistake, he knows how to get around this track quickly. He won two Xfinity championships, running the top at this track. He was testing there earlier this year, and they showed how he was scraping the paint off the sides because he was right up against that wall. He is he is fun to watch at this track, but I'm going with Tyler Reddick. From the back, he should be clicking off tons and tons of passes that should get you lots of points. Uh, another guy who's pretty expensive in this week, he is uh, $9,600. He's sitting on the pole. It's Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's the best driver at this track over the last few years. Got the win last year. Didn't get him when it was a playoff race. It's not a playoff race now. He'll be good. And uh, then my next, my last option on this one, it's Ryan Blaney, $10,400. I expect him rolling out 14th. He'll be, you know, it's him or Chase Elliott. They're kind of similar in that way, similar price tag. I think both of them will be top five. I think they will pass a decent number of cars. Uh, it's it's going to be about restarts and being able to get your car to do the right thing, pit strategy, all that stuff. But I think he'll be right there at the end. He'll be a top five car. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you're, and that's a that's a really good lineup. And I'm I'm excited that you chose some of the same drivers that I've chosen. Okay. Well, who did you um, choose that was the same? So we'll get those guys out of the way. Well, <laughs> exposed my uh, my filler there as I was looking up some interesting stats. Um, <laughs> but I knew you'd picked um, you'd picked Denny Hamlin, which I did as well at ninety six hundred. But I'm going to work from my way at the very bottom. Okay. Can you believe that the very bottom of this $7,000 coming in is Bubba Wallace starting in the 19th spot? Can you believe that? That's your lowest price driver? That's my lowest price driver. Can you believe that he's priced wow. at 7000 uh, It seems a bit high. Honestly. When his crew chief, his crew chief is none other than Mike Wheeler. I don't know if you know this about Mike Wheeler, but Mike Wheeler was Denny Hamlin's crew chief from 2014 or 2016 to 2018 and Matt DiBenedetto's last year as well. So yeah, in that true. role, in that role, Denny Hamlin qualified, and I know we're not doing qualifying, but qualified first twice in 2017 and 2018. Yeah. Finished top 10, I believe in all three years. Um, and, and all those ones. Then we talked, we know Denny Hamlin had a problem during the Homestead years when that so was. So what you're saying race. is Mike Wheeler knows how to get one of these Toyota Camrys to be bad to fast get, this to track. Get some really bad fast. So you yeah. got you got him coming from the 20th spot. Now do I expect Bubba Wallace to go and win this thing? 
no. I'm, well, I'm, but I'm you know what? I, I, you're not wrong. But I, I looked at being a, getting a top ten. I definitely yeah. looked at Bubba and thought this is a risk. I thought about taking the risk. I ended up going a few other options just because there were a couple of the drivers I wanted and monetarily it didn't work out to have all the guys that I wanted. But Bubba was certainly when I looked at because I thought of the same thing. He's he's probably there's a there's a chance he's undervalued this week. There's also a chance that you know he's going to struggle here at first and it might take a few weeks to really get used to with this new car and in this new system and everything that he's dealing with and a lot more power Absolutely. we'll find out but yeah i don't like the i don't dislike the play it's it's a risk but it's i'm taking a risk with anthony right. alfredo i mean for crying out loud right. We're, you'll have fast to do that pasta. at some point he yeah. better be fast this weekend right yeah absolutely yeah so that's that's my risk play i guess you could say my second risk play at seventy two hundred dollars is chase briscoe now, I, I like didn't do chase that briscoe a lot i'm not, with you on yeah. that he knows how to get around these tracks he's obviously excellent at darlington which is not the same, but it's similar, right? It's tire wear yeah. track. You got to run up against the wall. You got to be living on the edge. That's not a bad call at all. Right. And the number 14 car that Clint Boyer drew. Oh, it was fast year, here. Finished 11th last year and was top 10 in speed charts most of the day. It's been fast so, the last three years, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's a good yeah, it's so, a good call there. Yep. With him starting 30th, man, you're going to get points if he can get any. If he can stay out of trouble, you're getting points that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I work my way up to the $7,700 category, I'm taking old Austin Dillon. Hey. Austin Dillon finished seventh year last year. Tyler Reddick play, right? That the, yeah. the, Those he's cars have off. speed in them at this type they of track. They have speed yeah. at this track, yeah. And, and he's rolling off at 22nd. So yeah. that's one of those drivers where, you know, I'm looking at speed charts. I'm seeing him going from 22nd to 7th. You'll take I it. like that. You'll take that, like a lot. that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if I roll up the speed chart even further, that's where the rest of my picks are going. Eric Amarola finished fifth. Amarola, he, he was another he, good he call. Cracked the yeah. top. The towards the last four, the last three sections of the race. Sorry, the last two sections of the race, I should say. Lap one thirty three to one ninety nine, he was fourth fastest on average. And lap one ninety nine to two sixty seven, he was seventh fastest. Yeah. So yeah, that tells me that he's going to be there at the end. And is going to able to to be to basically able to hold off hold on for a possible top five, top fifteen, or top ten finish. He's rolling off sixteenth, so he's at seventy nine hundred points. And I'll speed this up for the rest. Uh, Denny Hamlin rolling off at the first position, like you talked about. Same reasons why I chose him. He's going to be a beast here, and he might be able to go flag to flag, depending on if he can get that that jump out and if pit stops work out. Uh, no telling. The sky's the limit for Denny Hamlin to get his first win of the season. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, I'm taking a heavy hitter. Rolling off 14th at $10,400 is none other than Ryan Blaney. Yep. Finished third year last I year, had. Yeah. but he was top three in speed all day. Yeah, all I, day I definitely year. think you – and you could make the argument that any of the Penske cars are a good play here because they've got tons of power. Uh, they're going to have no problem. They'll be in the top five. I'd like as far as speed, I think one of those three cars will definitely be a top five speed car all day. So it's just picking which one you think that is. And Blaney, I think, arguably is that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, all three of those, I think, are excellent. It's just kind of where you've got them in your lineup. It feels like we said half the field is a good play here, but I don't think so. I think we're we're basing this off of guys who were routinely in the top 10, guys who have led laps here, guys who have qualified well when qualifying was a thing. And in your case with Bubba, that that point about his you know crew chief and the speed that he gets out of the Camrys I think that's an excellent point so mm-hmm. hopefully that gives you some perspective on your lineups this week we wish you nothing but the best if you do play a lineup similar to ours or 
taking maybe a mixture of the two that we, we gave you. We need 5%. 5%. You know what? I will, uh... take, I will take a retweet of the episode and or possibly a review of the podcast, which you know what? Even if you don't play our DraftKings lineups, that's okay. You could still retweet the show. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, obviously, at Stagger Podcast. And if you're listening on a podcast app that allows you to review, leave us a review. That always helps people find these episodes, and we always appreciate that. We'll take that's a break. That's great. What? That's great. I still want my 5%. <laughs> I, I got it. I know you do. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, Chip Ganassi got banned from the track this week. We will talk about why he got banned and how Denny Hamlin comes into play. That and more coming up next. You're listening to the Sagger Podcast. Welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. You know, I'm, I was remiss earlier in the episode. I, we were talking about Tyler Reddick and how fast we think he's going to be this weekend. Um, I didn't mention this, but he's running the Cheddar's sponsorship. Have you ever eaten at the Cheddar's restaurants there, Derek? Have you ever been there? <laughs> Have I eaten at the Cheddar's? They know me by my first name when I walk in. They, they, they don't. They don't. They don't because I went to Winston-Salem and had it on my okay, way so to go to Bowman so you have So the answer is just yes. You don't have to say yes. like, ha, have I had it? Well, I mean, One you don't time. understand. Though. I mean, I think I ordered like two of everything on the menu. Like They called me Noah at the end of it because it was like one of those deals. They're like, okay, this guy is not going to leave. I he like the idea that we were running out of food. You were, you were waving in their croissants into a big arc to say, come yes. with me. I will save you from the coming floods. Now, yeah, well, coming, I, yeah, I want to make the case cause they are known for their buttery croissants. They're known for they're a good restaurant. If you've never been there, it's like Americana style food. You can get like, you know, fried catfish there, but you can also get like a steak or burgers or chicken tenders or whatever, you know, it's just good food, but they're on the Tyler Reddick car and they have little croissants all over the car as part of the decal. So I think we need to call that car. And I've been making this case on our Twitter at Stagger Podcast, but I want to make it to the people listening. This car needs to be referred to as the croissant rocket. Okay. I was just going to, we did not talk about this. It's the we croissant rocket. We did not rocket. talk about this. I didn't see anything. And I was just like, if he doesn't say croissant rocket, <laughs> croissant I'm be, rocket. <laughs> And, and, and by the if, way, if I am not. You're the one who always gets on to me whenever I say Le Mans instead of Le Mans. So Le Mans. if you keep calling it a croissant and not a croissant, like that's the way you say it when you're in France. But I'm not <laughs> calling it a croissant rocket. I'm calling it a croissant wor- croissant rocket. <laughs> no, that's what it is. It's the I, croissant. I think, rocket. If you, I think if you talk to a French person, they would not say croissant. They, 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 they do. They say croissant. 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 It's a on. croissant. On. Yeah, whatever. Okay, the point is, yeah. croissant you, rocket. The point lives. is, you still need to say Le Mans. Okay, whatever. The In cr- June, the croissant July, rocket that. lives. That's what I know. That's what I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about what happened to Chip Ganassi. So he got a one race res- suspension for Homestead. He will be allowed to attend. Um, he can either sit in the grandstand when he buys a ticket, or he can get a sweet ticket. So it's not like he can't be at the track, but he is not allowed to be on the team radio. And he is not allowed to be in a credentialed area. Now, the reason he can't be there is because, and NASCAR fined him for this too, he brought an unapproved guest into the footprint of the you know protected area of the inner part of the track. So basically, if you think of like the NBA when they had their bubble, well, it's not really a bubble in the, in the NASCAR world, but they do limit who can have access to certain parts of the track. He apparently ignored that or did not 
think that through or something and brought a guest with him. You're whatever. Okay, I don't know who his guest was. Denny Hamlin apparently does because Bob Pockris tweeted out some of these details. Denny Hamlin responded by saying, Bob, could you let us know if his guest will be allowed back? That's all we are really concerned with. Thanks. And then Connor Daly, who I can't presume was at the track, but obviously knows a lot of these drivers because he himself is a driver, albeit in the IndyCar series. Connor Daly responded and said, Hall of Fame tweet right here. Hashtag, if you know, you know. So apparently, whoever accompanied Mr. Ganassi to the track caught the attention of many a driver. And in Connor Daly's case, he's probably seen said person at other tracks because, of course, Chip Ganassi owns race teams in the IndyCar series. And so I just I like how that all went down. I thought that was a really interesting sequence that we got on Twitter and Denny Hamlin's been on a little bit of a heater on Twitter of late. I don't know if you've been following him at all or seen what he's been doing, but when he's not tweeting out like, you know, ads and different things like that, um, he he's had a little bit of a fire Twitter week because he's had things where, uh, you know, there's there's he tweeted out a picture of him bending over his car and talked about how, you know, he has bulges in his driver's suit. It was it was just. It was very fun. He's he's really he's really taking himself not too hardcore here. So um I'd like to also point this I mean, out. Go ahead. I'm sorry. trying to figure out. I mean, why is everybody up in arms that he brought Felix Sabatis to the track? <laughs> That's I mean, not, it's not that big on. of a deal. He did, did he bring Teresa Earnhardt? I mean, Alive? Felix Sabatis? I don't even uh, know. Did we I kill him? I didn't know. Well, I, I don't I don't well, I didn't no, I hope he's not dead. I hope he's alive, but I don't know that he is. So you'll have to you have to check that out. Um, well, he there's he. My gosh, he looks like Joey Diaz. Um, there's no <laughs> there's no death date. So, uh, well, that's good. Still with us. There you go. Congratulations. We're happy he's here. Hey. Um, Denny Hamlin also said on that tweet where he said, "If you could let us know if the guest will be allowed back." Here's the rest of the thread. Denny Hamlin, because apparently Chip Ganassi liked the tweet or someone from Ganassi liked it, because then Denny Hamlin said, Mr. Ganassi, sir, if you are reading this, assuming you are because you liked my previous tweet, you are a legend, sir. Just want you to know that. Have a great weekend. Now, Jordan Fish is the mother of Denny Hamlin's children and is, was his longtime girlfriend. They are not married. I don't know if they are still together because some people have speculated maybe they are not together anymore because... Sometimes there have been pictures that seem to indicate different places, different houses. Jordan Fish tweeted at Denny Hamlin after he sent these tweets to Chip Ganassi about how hot his accompaniment was to the track. Jordan Fish said, Mr. Hamlin, sir, if you're reading this, assuming you are because you are still tweeting, you've reached your limit for the day. Go to bed as our girls have school in the morning. Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) So I don't really... I don't maybe, really know how to read any of this, but this is maybe Denny Hamlin's fantastic. got one of them like, you know, hey, I built you a mansion. Let me have my fun. I don't know. Maybe he's got a maybe he's got an open relationship. But maybe by the can I tell knows? you can I tell you the worst thing about all this? Because then I, I just scrolled. I didn't even do this when I was initially looking at it. I just scrolled through the rest of these replies and the rest of these replies. Denny Hamlin is having like making jokes about how hot this person was that accompanied Chip Ganassi. 
everybody else on this thread is like, well, they should allow the team owner to be at the track. What is NASCAR? They're not the FBI. They can't confiscate. And everyone's just like losing their minds over the fact that billionaire Chip Ganassi or multimillionaire Chip Ganassi, whatever he is, isn't going to be able to be on the pit box. He's going to have to sit in a suite to watch his team go around and like, come on. Like, why are we getting outraged over this stuff? I love NASCAR as much as anyone. Why are people not just looking at the fact that Denny Hamlin is talking about the Chip Ganassi brought a hot person with him? And that's, that's what, that should be the focus of this. Not everybody getting mad about stuff. Okay. This is where Chip Ganassi can go from. All right. Chip Ganassi to legend Chip Ganassi. If he does not come in a Jeff Gordon Rainbow Warrior cutoff with some jorts, <laughs> bringing his girl in a tube top, right, and, and go and, to the suite and, and flared out redneck n- suite, yeah, no, let him, oh, let buy a ticket in the, and, and sit fans. right at the flag stand. Yeah, sit right at the start finish line. You're right. I agree. If he with doesn't that. already get body waxing, he should probably have a wax of a three in the back of his chest or the back hair <laughs> to let it like. I mean, because if he showed up as a fan. Like I mean, a, a true, true. You're saying with like a fan. fanny pack and yes, yes, absolutely. Pack. I've got one if you need to borrow it. Yeah, if he just comes out and is typical NASCAR friend, like we all know he is deep down inside, I think this is an opportunity for him to become a legend in the sport. And one, it's crazy, more of a legend in the sport than than. Well, <laughs> you know, he didn't even have to. He didn't even have to wear anybody else's stuff. I mean, dude, just go Get out some and, retro Chip Ganassi stuff. Yeah, man. rock. Go back even a little further, because like you said, he's now that we know that Felix Sabatis is alive. Go raid his closet. <laughs> he's probably got some stuff. <laughs> that was like the you could still wear like the Sterling Marlin stuff, right? Wouldn't that? Yeah, that, oh, is that yeah. part of that? Right? Yeah, go get some yeah, cores you, in the DC the Solar Silver Bullet cores light never, stuff. Yeah, never mind. No, nah, don't do DC Solar. That didn't work out <laughs> no, so well. That. Bell Wasn't South. Can't you do Bell South? Right? The forty two. Yes. Yeah, of course. There yes. we go. Those are great. Even those some great one problem Montoya. Those are get, great. Get some of those stuff. Great fits as the kid. I, I think would that would work out. And I mean, you might even get target back. Chip, <laughs> well, let's you need just, to do this. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Put all the old sponsors who said no more. We don't want to. We don't want to be a part of your organization. I don't know if that'll work, but either way. <laughs> Coming to the Ross Chastain, the 42 Bell South is right. uh, driving around. They, they actually don't have a company <laughs> anymore, but they decided to. <laughs> Give the rights back to their car. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess that does happen with their. They're not. It would around. make the Darlington throwback. I know that. That's true. Um, all right, let's talk some IndyCar car here because uh, Romain Grosjean got out on the track at Barber Motorsports Park in preparation for the NTT IndyCar series. Uh, they will, of course, start April eighteenth, so still a few months away. At the same seventeen turn, two point three eight mile natural road course. So he was talking about this. Uh, if you missed this, he got out there, set some pretty quick lap, to- lap times, uh, and then unfortunately went off the track and spun out in turn one, got stuck. So they had to pull him out. But he he had, everyone says, a really good effort the first time out. He spoke about how the mechanical grip of the car was really good. He can understand why you get such good racing um, he said he's the car is very different than driving an F1 car, but he likes it and he's enjoying himself. So I don't know. Count me in on the number 51 car from Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Ware Racing. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for them. I mean, everybody's talking a lot about Jimmy Johnson in the series, and that's huge. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott McLaughlin coming in with Penske. That's another big one. The V8 supercar driver who, by the way, liked one of our tweets this week on Twitter. So 
not that we're fanboys or I mean, we're well, I'm just saying, here, but I'm so excited. Aren't you so excited? I'm so <laughs> we're, excited. We're taking right, everything right, we can get normal. right now. Back to normal, yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, like, I'm I'm excited, too, for Romain Grosjean in this uh, number 51 car to see what he can do. And I don't think this is – I don't think he's coming here to run in the back. I think he's going to be one of the better drivers in this series. It'll take him some time to get acclimated, but by the end of the year, I expect him to be thrashing that thing up in the top five. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's – um, trust me, mid-Ohio weekend, you know exactly where I'll be. I mean, I'm going to tell all my clients like, hey, don't even dare try to buy a house during this time period because I will be in Lexington, Ohio on a chair watching some racing. Who am I kidding? I'm going to be walking around that track, probably putting 10 miles in a day, getting photos and seeing the track from all different angles. I'm so excited. And I'm going out if they open it up, I'm going out to, to Indy in May for practice day. Oh, I think, well, I I know I I caught caught out. That's a good point so by the way for what it's worth barber right now does not have tickets on sale and i'm not sure when they will but it's still two months out okay so to be fair to them they have plenty of time to sell some tickets i'm sure they'd like to be selling them right now i'm not sure what the delay is but i'm sure as soon as they feel like they can put them on sale they will um probably waiting on some stuff from the local government and all that i called out to indy to ask about indy 500 tickets and just said you know hey um I know it's going to be probably limited this year or we're not sure what that's going to look like, but is there a chance for the general public to buy tickets? And the woman I spoke to, again, just a ticket rep at Indy said, well, we can buy, you can buy 500 tickets right now if you want. We have them for sale. She said, we don't know exactly what the capacity will be, but we're pretty confident as of yet, we still have tickets available. So that was a good sign, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, yeah, it would be I fantastic looked, to to be able to go to the 500. But I mean, I'm saying, yeah, like I'm hoping this is the year that I can just go back to the track and just sit and turn one underneath the shade, watch cars go around all day. Yeah, I would. Like, I would go out there for a practice, practice day. day. Now, obviously, oh, yeah. for the GP, that's different. The Indy 500, yeah. you will not see guys like Jimmy Johnson, Romain Grosjean. Right. They are not running that race. Right. Um, which is another issue that we'll talk about as we get closer to that. I mean, I know some people have a problem with the fact that. Some of these guys are coming yeah. in and not running the Indy 500. But if you yeah, were Romain Grosjean, would you? Would you run the Indy 500? If you've done everything he's done in his career, you've made the money that he's had, and you just had a off-track incident, like or, you know, a wreck that you just barely survived, would you want to go get into a car that in previous years has been known to impale drivers' legs and almost cost them their lives? It's, yeah, it's, I, it's, a, it's I think, a testament to the safety of the sport. They have made it safer but the idea that the IndyCar going around an Indy 500 track, I mean, going around Indianapolis on that oval, I can understand why guys like Jimmy Johnson are like, yeah. nah, that, my family doesn't want me to do it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, it's it's controversial what I'm about to say, but I think it's the truth. No one, like, not to name drop, but knowing a driver or two that I've talked to them at Indy, like in their bus and, and hung out with them and talked to them and figured out like, okay, like, what makes you do this? What keeps you doing this year after year? And I think, honestly, if you're showing up and driving an Indy for the Indy 500 trying to qualify, you have basically said, I'm okay with dying doing this. Or I'm okay with getting injured. I'm okay if this is my last race. You know, not you're doing what you graphic, love, that whole thing. Doing what yeah. you love. And it's the same thing. That you, we talk to sprint car drivers. If you take the wheel away from them, they're not happy. Yeah, They're not sure. happy at all because they'd rather be driving more than anything else, it's what gives them life. I mean, heck, you even talk to semi truck drivers. If you take them off the road, they they don't they're not the same person. They they don't feel the same way. 
it, it's so weird. So like some people have connection to driving, whether that's whatever, you know, driving, yeah. racing, whatever. Yeah. I would assume but it's I'm very saying, different driving an Indy car than a <laughs> semi truck. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you driven through interstate 70 in downtown Columbus at rush hour? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but you know what? I tell you this much though. Um, I, I think that, I mean, it's, it's the truth. It's not being morbid or it's not being facetious. I think IndyCar drivers understand the risks they're taking fully. They know what those risks are taking, and they're saying it's worth it for the chance to have immortality. It's worth it to win an Indy. It's worth it to do what I've always wanted to do, which is be the first one across the yard of bricks at the 500 on the last lap. And I think it may not be a healthy thing if we're trying to be just like step aside and look at a 30,000-foot view of it. It may not be healthy at all. Yeah, but it's, but it's how it is. It's yeah, how it is. So, but that's where so I you think you can't fault a driver like Jimmy Johnson, or I mean, heck, there's other drivers that have, that have been road course specialists that sit that one out for years. And there's going to be plenty of J.R. Hildebrands, plenty of Pippa Mans, plenty of badass racers who are like, "This is what I live for. I live to make the 500." Yeah, that's why yeah. when they make it, there's this sense of relief that sure comes over them, not anxiety. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I've made the 500. I have a chance to win it. I have a chance to do well. Well, and, and while certainly violent crashes can happen in the 500 as well, and we've known that and seen that, those qualifying laps have to be some of the most harrowing things you're ever going to do that any human ever does. I mean, I, I would equate it to, you know, climbing Everest, you know what I mean? Where it's just, you're out there and you know that that car is on the ragged edge and it is going mm-hmm. as fast as that car can ever go. And you are tasked with making it go just fast enough that it doesn't lose the grip doesn't lose the arrow and you put it in the 500 and then as soon as you do that they scale the car down so you can actually run it 500 because there's no way you can run it at that speed of 500 miles now you're still yeah. gonna run it 228 but you're not running it 234 they or whatever you actually, know actually they actually put down force in the car instead of taking it to a negative <laughs> stance <laughs> yes yeah, like they give it the down force yeah so upside down yeah when the wings like it's not even flat it's negative yeah like, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous it is yeah. it is what they do yeah um, let's let's switch gears and move on from Indy and the IndyCar series, which obviously we're very excited about the start of that. Let's talk a little bit more about the dirt race that's going to happen at Bristol. The dirt race with the NASCAR Cup Series is Sunday, March 28th. It was announced that they are actually going to have heat races to qualify the field for that race alone. Obviously, dirt racing a little bit different. We've seen this with the Truck Series. They do the heat races like you would see at any uh, normal Saturday night special at your local track. The difference here is going to be they're going to have the practice day for all the dirt stuff Friday, March 26th. Saturday, March 27th, they're going to have the truck race at 8 o'clock. 8 to 10.30 p.m. is what that's scheduled for. Okay, But before that, they will have truck heats at 4 o'clock, and then I think around 6 o'clock, they're going to have the Cup Series heats. So they are going to qualify with heat racing on Saturday night at Bristol. So if you have a ticket to the truck race on Saturday, you actually will get to see truck heats qualifying, cup heat qualifying, and then the actual truck race. (laughs) And then the next day is when you're actually going to watch the cup race on Sunday. So they're going to do all that, and then they're going to put the cars away for a night and come back the next day and run them. So... I know that's what they do with qualifying in most things, but dirt tracks are a little different in that way. And how NASCAR's handled it, this will be the first time that I am aware of where they've qualified on dirt the night before and then go out the next day and actually run the race. So, 
yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, man. The whole thing is going to be either the best thing ever mm-hmm. or the experiment that we all say, remember that time that NASCAR tried to raise on dirt at Bristol? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be memorable one way or the other. Yeah. I think. Don't forget too. Um, so here's what they're also doing because NASCAR obviously wants to make sure they know that this race is going to be the product that everybody hopes it will be. So Friday, March 19th and Saturday, March 20th, that is the weekend prior to the Dirt Cup race, the NASCAR Dirt races. Uh, They're running the Bristol Dirt Nationals. These are super late models that are coming in. They're going to run a $50,000 to win 60 lap grand finale on Saturday night. So you're going to get some heavy hitters into this race. Um, That Dirt Nationals race, that is being done in part to test the track out, you know, the week prior. So they're going to... Look at how these big, heavy cars get around the dirt that they've laid down. If there are any problems with it, they're hoping they can work it out that weekend and then obviously have the truck and the Cup Series go off without a hitch. Uh, one thing I do think will be very interesting is, you know, you're going to be running these these cars out there in trucks on Saturday afternoon, and then you're going to have to run them in the evening, and the truck race in the evening is going to be a lot different than what the track conditions would be, you think, in the daytime when mm-hmm. the sun's up, if the sun's up. Um, so yeah, my big question will be, and I'm sure that they have already taken this into account cause I'm quite sure it's already had a lot of this, but how much does that track hold moisture when it rains, all those type of things that you see regular dirt tracks deal with, you know, what will that be like at Bristol? So hopefully we don't have the rain. Hopefully it can hold off, but yeah, there's, there, the there air, ain't going to be, having, a, they're not going to be any air Titans out there driving that thing say, off of it rates. <laughs> Having the Air Titans would be kind of fun. <laughs> have, yeah. a, have a mud Well, race only if you let Juan fans. Pablo Montoya out there, too. Let's yeah, like, make it a whole thing. But like, uh, Well, fans, we uh, we don't have the race on today. It's been canceled, but stick around for our Air Titan mud race. That's right. <laughs> Air Titan mud <laughs> racing right here. Can't wait. Uh, let me bring this up to you real quick on the World of Outlaws stuff, because the World of Outlaws will be doing both the Dirt Late Models. That'll be Thursday, April 8th through Saturday, April 10th, they will have their own Bristol bash. And then the world of outlaws sprint cars will be there April 22nd through the 24th. So a month after the, the dirt race with the cup series, there's still going to be dirt on Bristol and they're still going to be, so they're going to have multiple giant events for dirt track racing, which I think is really cool because you're going to see a lot of very cool cars, but for those world of outlaws events, the late model and those Mm -hmm. sprint cars, they are invite only. I know some mm. people were pretty mad about that in the in the dirt world. That if you're just like a local team, you're a local group that wants to run this, you're not able to get out and do that because you need to get an invite from the World of Outlaws. But what do you think of that? Do you think that's a good move by them? I I almost think it it's a necessary move, and here's why: because especially with the sprint cars, you're oh. looking at you're looking at the wicked fast speeds they're going to have. Um, I think the fastest mile, the, yeah, I don't think, I think I know the fastest mile turned at Bristol was in a sprint car on that when they had the dirt fastest race. Lap all, all, it's half fastest mile, lap. It's yeah. half yeah. yeah. Fastest lap. Yeah. That's how they got the world's fastest half, half world's fastest half mile, half mile. Yep. Yeah, that's how they got that delineation. But I think, I mean, we all love sprint car racing because you can get the, the Goliaths versus the Davids. But the problem is you don't want the Davids to ruin the show for years to come. Right. You don't want um you don't want someone to have a heat race and then end up in the fence or in the crowd. Worse, you know, even worse than that. Um, you want to make sure this this race goes off. Not to say that the that the top drivers at the outlaws couldn't do that, 
but you want to invite the best 20 or 30 drivers in the nation and see you can really win this thing. Yeah. I think that just makes sense. Um, who knows, maybe in a couple of years, once they understand how these cars, they're going to need to, I hate to say it, they're going to need to have a big wreck to figure out how these cars handle in that situation. Yeah. And once they realize, okay, our safer barriers are catch fencing. I mean, if they have the safety precautions, they can sit there and say, okay, we'll open it up. But well, the lo- yeah, I want to say Bristol. I've been to Bristol. There's not much room at Bristol. Maybe they don't oh. want 150 cars. Out well, there, there's no, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too, is if you have 150 cars show up for this deal, trying to get them all in and out of the track is going to be a nightmare. I mean, yeah, we talked about the chili bowl nightmare of having that go till midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah, they, I, I understand at having seven. Well, and, a, and by a, the way, with a, with a Q main, I get that the world of outlaws, like I know what the, the message on that is the world of outlaws for those who don't know in the dirt world, the idea is there used to be 12 to 15 to 20 guys who traveled around the country, the outlaws, and they would show up at all these local tracks and they would show up at all these local, you know, affiliations for racing and they would just be better than everybody. They were the outlaws. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't confine them to one set of rules and one little package. They, they, they would move around the country and they'd beat whatever your little local rules were. They'd trim out their cars the way they're supposed to. They'd go out there and kick your ass. So I think the idea of that is in some ways the local guys should have a chance. But the other part of that is World of Outlaws has advanced now to where it's this national brand. People expect something high quality. You go out there and you have a clown show for the first three or four heats because half the guys just can't run on that track the way it's put out there. I understand why they're saying that. And logistically, yeah, you want the big boys there. You want the the names that you've heard. Where mm-hmm. that cutoff line is, though, guarantee you whoever gets rejected, there will be the first five or six out who don't make the cut, who yeah. everyone will be like, how in the hell did they not let that person go? Why is that guy or gal not allowed to go? They're really good. You're going to have some of that. So I anticipate well, that we will I mean, be arguing about that when it happens, but we'll be we'll be watching that yeah. with some interest for you, sure. You've got some great drivers in the all-star circuit of champions, and what if they don't let them switch over? You know, what sure. if a Dale Blaney gets left behind? Or what if a Jack Hoddenshield gets left behind? Or, you know, Byron Reed, who's a great racer out of Fremont. Yeah. What if he gets what or what if he gets well and behind? some of those guys won't even make the hall because they just well, know right. they're not exactly. gonna get a, they're not gonna be but, told but that they what can if go. you what if you get a guy who's a full time sprint car driver who could really use his paycheck and who could go out there and, and really race and win? Yeah. And then you have his spot taken by Christopher Bell or Kyle Larson, <sighs> which could be a possibility. Tell you what, so you're, I you're I wanna some, see one of those some, yeah some cut off and George drama there, tell you that much. Yeah. And I'm here for sure. For I am as well. Um, last thing I'll leave you with real quick. History lesson for those of you who are not paying attention. Obviously, 20 years ago, Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed away at Daytona. Everyone is aware of that event. But I want to draw your attention, if you are listening to this on the day that this podcast came out, which is February 26th, 20 years ago, 2001, February 26th, Steve Park won the NASCAR Cup race, the Winston Cup race, at Rockingham. North Carolina Speedway in Rockingham, North Carolina. Uh, that is the very first race they had. They had it the week after Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed away. Steve Park was driving a number one Pennzoil machine owned by Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. So mm-hmm. the first race they had, which it was a tough decision for NASCAR that year to decide what to do after Dale Earnhardt you know, died at Daytona. They didn't know how to proceed, but they thought he probably would want us to go out and keep racing. That's what Dale would want us to do. So that team had to make that decision. The sport had to make that decision. Uh, and I think that 
honestly is one of the more important races in the sport that we don't talk about because Steve Park going out there and getting that win, I think that gave everybody a way to breathe and say, all right, Dale Earnhardt's legacy will always be with this sport. This driver who's racing for him and was one of his good friends lived with Dale Earnhardt for a time. Uh, he said Dale Earnhardt taught him how to run Rockingham, did Steve Park. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that guy getting that win in that moment really helped the sport go, okay, a DEI driver run, this this is going to continue. If they can go on, if that team can go on, we can go on, you know? Mm-hmm. I really think that was a big moment in the sport. So it was 20 years ago today that that happened. So hmm. don't forget that. And Yeah, and to think about that, I mean – in that race, you had almost what was like the worst, where Dale Jr. gets in a wreck early on. Yeah, he wrecked on the first. Well, and don't forget this wreck. Also, this this race, I should say, it was race. the The race was completed on a Monday because mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty much rained out on Sunday. They might, I think, they got some of the laps in on Sunday, and then it got washed out to Monday. So this actually yeah. finish happened on a Monday afternoon. I but, mean, just put yourself in those shoes. Like I know, probably Junior had a helicopter back then, and. And, and flew out soon after the wreck, but it's close enough. It's within two hour drive to Charlotte to the, to the hub and NASCAR. Yeah. So imagine, or just pictures up being the crew guys. You just lost your boss. You don't know if, if, if the direction of the company is going to continue what it was, yeah. you don't know about the sport and the Dale Jr. just wrecked out and you're driving back home and you're listening on MRN and you're hearing the race go. And then you start to hear it unfold with Steve Park, you know, turning these laps and, and then he ends up winning the race. You're probably back at home in Charlotte. Maybe you've been watching on TV by the time you're done, but you're able to sit there. And for those guys that were DEI shop employees to sit there in that moment and be like, okay, like you said, it's, it's not, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but we can make it. Well, we've got a big one this weekend at Homestead. We're excited to watch it. And I'm hopefully you guys all will enjoy it as well. We will be back on Monday to recap it all. So hope you guys have a great weekend. And until next time, stay safe and stay staggered.